Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. So why don't we just pray and uh, let's open our Bibles. Father, we love you. We love your word. We love that it's living and active and doing something. We love that you reach people and you touch people's lives and we ask for more of you. We ask for more of your power, more of your transformation, a greater touch from you because we believe you're alive and we believe you're, you've got good things for us. So Holy Spirit, would you come and would you teach our hearts? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we're in the middle of a series that we've called Last Words. We're coming close to the end of that series, actually. And we've called it Last Words because um, this, is, um, this is the account of Jesus getting hold of his disciples. And, and he, he almost sits them down and does a kind of boot camp with them. These are the things that you are going to have to get and you're going to have to know because I'm about to pass the whole thing on to you. Don't miss this, is what Jesus is saying. And, be, and before that point, he'd been telling them a whole bunch of things and he'd been, he'd been modeling a whole bunch of things. And it's almost as if he recognizes and he acknowledges that his guys are going to miss some stuff. They're going to get some of the details wrong of some of the miracles and they're going to get some of the encounters wrong and who spoke to whom and who did what and all that kind of stuff. But this you need to know because you're going to carry the whole thing. You're my succession team. You're as good as it gets when it comes to people seeing me. So here's the deal. And it's almost as if we walk on holy ground when we walk on John's Gospel 13 through 21. There's something incredibly special about the whole thing. And there's one part of it that's just really intriguing as Jesus speaks words that they've got to remember. But we all know that what Jesus models is actually much more powerful than what he says. We know that's true, don't we? We know it's true in life that what you model and how you live is so much more powerful than what you say because you can always forget what you say, but you never forget what actually happens. And Jesus is saying, this stuff here, this stuff, this stuff you need to get and you need to know. In John chapter 18, it's incredibly powerful stuff. It's deeply instructive stuff. You'd have loved Jesus. And you really would. If you'd have, if you'd have hung around with Jesus, you'd have loved him. I mean, the, the ordinary people like you, um, he, 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 they loved him. They couldn't get enough of him. You know, he, he hung around with the ordinary people. He, he wasn't above them. He was just on their level. He spoke with them as if he understood them. He spoke about God as if he knew God. And he did things that can't easily be explained away. And, and people just loved hanging out with Jesus. The religious people hated him. They really did, because he kind of got in their way. He kind of exposed their ways. He kind of, he kind of revealed their manipulations and, and the way in which they lived their lives, and they hated him, and they wanted to kill him. But the ordinary people like you and I, they, they loved Jesus. And Jesus starts to model something to his disciples. Let's read together. John chapter 18. When Jesus had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. 
On the other side, there was an olive grove, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the grove, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, I am he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Who is it you want? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. I told you that I am he, Jesus answered. If you're looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he'd spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup your father, the father has given me? Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it would be good if one man died for the people. Do you know, it's, it's real easy to, um, to beat up on the disciples. You ever thought that? I, mean, I find the disciples really, really weird and odd. I mean, they'd hung around with Jesus for so long. They should have got it by now. They'd been in boot camp for a few days by now. They'd, they'd seen Jesus washing his disciples' feet, and they'd heard him say, do the same stuff. They'd heard him talk about the Father's house. They'd heard him say, you shall do the things that I did, and you shall do even greater things. And they'd heard about the vine and the branches and the fruitfulness and all that stuff. And by now, they should have got it, but they didn't get it. I mean, they're about to scatter, and they're about to run, and they're about to re- reject him, and they're about to abandon him, they're about to deny him. And how in the world do they do these things? And yet it's really easy to begin to understand what they're doing, because what Jesus is modeling is a life that is wholly, wholly different. What he's modeling is a life that is all in. It's all in. In. He says, you know, I, I'm not doing this stuff as part of me. I'm not doing this stuff as a, as a sideline or, or some kind of hobby. I am all in for this thing. And the disciples knew that if Jesus was all in, what he was saying to them is, you've got to be all in as well. No wonder they, they wanted something else and they wanted to run away and they wanted to reject it and abandon it because that's a huge ask to go all in. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a kind of all in kind of guy really. I'm either, I'm either all in or I'm all out. That's just the kind of way I was wired, you know. So, you know, I, I, don't, know, I don't know if you, you know this or remember this. At Christmas time, you play that game charades. Do you remember that game? You know, kind of this and, I know, this stuff and some other things and this and you do this kind of thing. And, you know, it's the only time in the family you haven't got the television on. So it's kind of, you're doing all, all, this, all, all this kind of stuff. And I really can't stand all this kind of stuff and all this kind of stuff. I just want to do this thing. So whenever we get to Shiraz, I want to do the whole thing. I'm not interested in breaking it up into consonants and doing all that. I'm not interested in that. I just want to do the whole thing. I'll act the whole thing out. I'll sing it. I'll dance it. I just want him to do the whole thing. Remember the hokey-cokey thing? 
You know, when you were, when you were kids at some kind of party, you did the hokey cokey, it's your right foot in, your right foot out, in, out, left arm, shift, nah, 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 nah. I hate all that stuff. That's a piece of nonsense, all this right in, right out. I want to do my whole self in, my whole self out. You know, that was the kind of, that's the way, if anyone is swimming, I'm swimming. If anyone's running, I'm running. If anyone's fighting, I'm fighting. No, I'm not fighting. But if, it, if anyone's doing something, I'm doing it. I'm wholehearted. It's shirt off. It's, it's all the chips in. I'm all in. And I look at the disciples and I go, why are you not all in? But then I think, I wonder if I am. Because sometimes I just feel like part in. Spare time in. What I've got left in. Occasional in. And I don't blame you for thinking that way at all. I mean, not for, not for one moment, because you've got other stuff you're doing. I know that. You've got, you got a social life, and you've got a career that you're trying to build, and you've got a conservatory that you're saving for, and you've got a, you, you've got a holiday that you're, you're, you're building up a, some funds for, or whatever you're doing. I, I, I completely and utterly don't blame you for it. But when it comes to discipleship, it just doesn't compute. Because discipleship is apprenticeship in the way of Jesus. It's discipleship in the life of Jesus Christ. It's walking in step with him, and he's all in. So it's an all-in life, or it's all out. It's like kind of the whole thing. And I think that's a big rude awakening for the disciples. Because I think they're listening to the teaching, and they love the vine stuff. Because that sounds really nice. And they like all that kind of stuff. But then when they begin to see Jesus modeling this stuff, and it's crazy stuff. I mean, Jesus is, is arrested. The Son of God, the creator of the universe, is arrested by some soldiers, and he goes. He's, he's abused, and he's smacked around the face by some officials who have been elected to represent him on this earth. Ironic. And he doesn't beat them up. I probably would. And he's bound. And he doesn't call the angel armies down just to show them who's God in the peace, which I might have considered. Why? Because he is all in. He's all in. He's completely all in. And it freaks the disciples, no wonder they ran. You see, Jesus is modeling something. They, they, they got it. They, they, they realized what was going on. He's modeling something. Notice with me. He, 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 he's, say, he's saying, guys, if you are the light of the world, and you remember, they knew that they were because they'd heard him say the stuff, and it was, I mean, it was weird. We're the light of the world? And they puffed out their chests and walked around like this for a while. And Jesus says, this is what it means to be the light of the world. If you're the light of the world, you've got to walk into darkness because that's what light's for. If you're the light of the world, there's no point in hanging around with lots of other little lights of the world and making a nice glow. You're supposed to walk into darkness and, and, and the, the picture that we have right here, right now in John 18 is of darkness absolutely everywhere. I mean, physically, not really, because it's the time of the Passover, it's the time of the full moon. It was actually pretty light. Dark wasn't very, very dark, but, but, but in every other way, darkness is seen in this scene. The darkness of betrayal. One of his own. 
He's rejected by most of his boys and abandoned. He's denied by his closest friend. There is the manipulation of the leaders of God's people who were supposed to to represent him on the earth. And Jesus walks headlong into the darkness in order to bring his light. That's what he's doing. And that's his example. Guys, for you and I to be the light of the world, for us to be all in, we have to be willing to walk into the darkness. And it's pretty dark out there. It really is. I mean, we can pretend it's light, and they can pretend it's light, and we can talk about how wonderful the city is and, and how incredible it is to live in this generation. And, and, and in many ways it is, but it's incredibly dark out there for the kids who are waiting to be fostered. And it's dark for the addicts who have limited facilities to get dry and get free. And it's dark for people physically in prison. And it's dark for people emotionally in prison. And it's dark for people in debt and who seem to have no way out of debt. And it's dark for marriages that need some kind of healing and they're broken and there's no one to listen to them. And it's dark for international students who come here and they go, this is an amazing city but I haven't got any friends. And it's dark for parents who don't know how to parent because they were never parented. And it's dark for people who have no concept of Jesus Christ and have no hope of having a concept of Jesus Christ because nobody they know knows Jesus Christ. In fact, nobody in their family has ever encountered Jesus Christ. It's dark out there. And it's no good us saying, oh, we're the light of the world. Isn't that nice? We're not to hide our lamp under a bushel. We'll bring it to church and we'll shine together. When the job of light is to shine in darkness, I think that freaked them out a bit. Because I think if we, we thought the light of the world was just we're going to declare an incredible message and everyone's going to love it and everyone's going to get saved and everyone's going to get healed and it's going to be wonderful. But Jesus demonstrates actually carrying the light takes you to dark places and it will get you into trouble. And the disciples, I think, made a little note to themselves and they went, darkness, light, light in darkness. Ooh. And then Jesus says, watch this. And he says, you know, not only if, uh, if you're going to follow me and you're going to be my disciple, and if not only if you're going to be all in, if you've got to be light in that kind of darkness, you're going to have to walk purposefully in chaos. You want purpose, don't you, in life? You want to live for something that will live forever. You want to live for something that will make a difference. Everyone wants to live for purpose. No one wants to live accidentally and somehow wake up and go, ooh, that's what it was about. Everyone wants to live for purpose. But Jesus demonstrates that if you're going to live for purpose, you have to put up with a whole bunch of chaos much of the time. And depending upon your personality type and how you measure it and whether you've done you know, Belbin or whether you've done Myers-Briggs or whether you've done the Enneagram, all these other things, you'll, you, you'll know. And some of you are sitting there going, well, chaos, bring it on. You should see my bedroom. Don't bother me. Bring on the chaos. And others of you will be going, no, hold the horses because chaos is something that I've tried to avoid all of my life. I've tried to keep it at arm's length. I've tried to manage it within an inch of its life and we're not having any chaos around here. And what Jesus seems to suggest is that actually there is a plan. There is a plan. But, but, but to the rational eye, it doesn't look like it's working. See, the whole scene seems chaotic. The teachers of the law and the religious leaders and the elders have been trying to set up Jesus for months by now. 
They've been trying to rig stuff, and they've been trying to organize stuff, and they've been trying to, they basically want Jesus dead because he's irritating. They're the religious guys. They just hate him. He's disturbing everything, but, but, but the things happened so quickly, they didn't have time to even get the Sanhedrin together, the 71 elders and teachers of the law and, and religious scribes that needed to get together to organize something so they could condemn Jesus. They didn't have time for that. They just had to, to get something up and running. They didn't have time to get Pilate involved properly. He's the only one that can give the death sentence. They should have lined it up correctly, but they didn't even have time to sort that out. And they certainly didn't have time to rig the trial effectively. And when they could have come up with much better stuff than they came up with, it just kind of happened. And the disciples, they weren't ready. You know, Jesus had been saying to them, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not, so I'm going to prepare a place for you. And they, they should have been ready by now, but they just weren't ready. And it was Passover, and it was heaving, and the party was going, and it was chaos everywhere. And there's a plan in the chaos. And, and you and I look around, and we probably think to ourselves, it just looks like chaos out there. And really, it does. I mean, Iraq and ISIS and... Syria and Ukraine and Crimea and financial crisis and what, what does the future hold for us? What does the future hold for our kids? And, 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 and I'm sure there's a worry and there's a concern and there's an anxiety, but there is a plan. And it's hatched in the heart of God. And it's hinted by the prophets. And ironically, we hear it on the lips of Jesus' arch accuser. Verse 14, Caiaphas. It will be really good if one man died for the people. And he didn't know what he was saying. And some of you are thinking, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely, that, that's the plan. That's an amazing plan. But one man would come and he would die for the people. It's audacious, it's a dying, and it's a rescuing, and it's a bridging of an unbridgeable gap between a holy God and a dysfunctional people. And suddenly forgiveness is possible. The debt is paid and victory is, is, is available because the grave was defeated and the plan is so simple that God wants a relationship with me and I get to be part of the plan for everybody else and it's an incredible thing. And some of you are thinking that right now because you grew up in church and because you know the plan. Plan. And others of you are thinking, well, great, but how does that deal with Syria and Crimea and ISIS and financial crisis and cancer and abuse and, and where does it sounds? It deals with it because all these things are symptoms of the same thing. All, all these things are symptoms of a world that is out of line with its creator. All these things, all these anxieties and all these pains and all these concerns and all these things that are disaligned in our lives and in our world and in our relationships are symptomatic of the fact that we were created to have a harmonious relationship with our creator and consequently a harmonious relationship with one another and consequently a harmonious relationship with ourselves and consequently a harmonious relationship with the whole of creation. But it got busted in the garden when we said we'd do our own thing and God has a plan. And his plan is that one man should die for the people so that we might be restored because it all starts with God and it all starts with our relationship with God. And then he is going to restore all things. It looks chaotic. It looks like no one's got their hand on it. It looks like God just stepped off the throne for a bit, if we're honest. 
but there's a plan in the chaos. Weird as it may sound, you have to be willing to embrace the chaos. The disciples went right on light, darkness, got to walk in darkness. Plan chaos, we got to walk through the chaos and eek. I'm not sure I like the all-in thing too much because I want my life sanitized and I want my life organized and I want my life sorted and I want it to flow chronologically, this to that to the other thing and I want to be able to make sure there's a career path for me and I want to make sure that it's going to be safe for my kids and I want to make sure it's going to all work itself out. So do you know a part in and half in and some in and part time in and a little bit in? That sounds a little bit more palatable than the whole thing in because the whole thing in is just a bit messy. And then Jesus goes and makes it even weirder. And he says, just, if you look at me and they, they, they start to look at the way in which this plan is unveiling and what they see is that if you want to do community, you're going to have to deal with betrayal. If you want to do community, if you want to be the body of Christ, if you want to be this beautiful, beautiful thing where there is unity and harmony and community, then you're going to have to experience betrayal. That's what's going to happen. And they see Judas. And they see the soldiers. Have you ever been betrayed? I mean, really betrayed. I don't mean kind of you felt let down occasionally or something. I mean, have you ever, have you ever been betrayed by someone who was really close to you that you expected to act better, but they let you down? Do you know how dark that feeling is of rejection and abandonment? It has the ability to wreck community. The moment that you allow people in to your world, you create the potential for pain. And Jesus knew all about it. He knew Judas. He knew who would betray him. He, he chose Judas. He gave him authority. He washed Judas' feet, for goodness sake. He broke the bread with Judas. And Judas kisses him. That's got to hurt. Guys, if, if we're going to build real community, the kind of community that walks into darkness and becomes the light of Christ, the kind of, the kind of community that... that, that that lives purpose and plan in the chaos, the kind of community that sees a city come to life, the kind of community that sees a nation change, the kind of community where we will love and we will disagree and we will walk together, we're going to be betrayed and it's going to hurt and people are going to let you down. And the danger is this, and I know it because I've experienced it myself, the danger is the first time it happens, you say to yourself and to your heart, that's never going to happen again. I'm not going there because I opened myself and I opened my, my, my life and I was vulnerable and I, and, and, and I brought people into my family and, they, and they, it was abused and, and I can't trust them ever again and we shut up shop and we don't say that about people because we're kind of British and we're, we, you know, we keep this kind of reserve but actually in our hearts we go, that's it, never again and we become suspicious and cynical and we miss out on this beautiful thing called community. And our philosophy is this, you know, two strikes and you're out. You know, one, we'll, we'll forgive you because Jesus says you have to forgive and we'll sort of begrudgingly forgive you. But the second time, that's it, I'm done. I'm never, ever going to trust you again. I'll be polite to you, but that's about it. We miss out. But Jesus steps down out of heaven and he empties himself. He, he veils some of his divinity 
And he teaches a people who will not listen. And he loves a people who will reject him. And he demonstrates his father to a people who will spit on him and revile him and yell crucify him. And he eats, he eats. And that, that my most intimate thing, almost the most intimate thing beyond sex that you can do with anybody else. You sit and you eat. And he eats with those who will leave him and deny him. How could they do that? Do you ever think that? How could they do that? How could they, the disciples of Jesus, deny Jesus, reject Jesus, let Jesus down? Do you ever think that? I, I think that. How could you do it? Have you ever let him down? Of course you have. I, I let Jesus down every day. I, I let him down every time I don't live out of the fullness of who Jesus called me to be. I let him down every time I don't act with compassion. I let him down every time I become insecure. I let him down. I, I let him down every time I judge one of you out of my brokenness. I let him down every time I've got an opinion, every time I've got an opinion that's self-generated. It's, it's my idea, it's my concept, it's my, I let him down when I live out of that kind of opinion stuff. I, I let him down every time I own anything, every time I get my hands on stuff and say, that's mine, every time I stand on my rights and say, I deserve, every time I live out of entitlement, I let him down all the time. And I betray him. And I kiss him. And he eats with me. And I kiss him. And he dies for me. Why, why does that have to happen? Why does he have to get betrayed? Let me tell you, because for him, relationship is so crucial with you. He is so desperate for the intimacy of love and the intimacy of relationship that he's willing to risk the pain of relationship to get it. Because he knows that with intimacy and relationship can never be forced. Forced love is not love at all. And so he opens himself up to the potential and the possibility that he's going to be betrayed and he's going to be abandoned. He's going to be misunderstood. He's going to be denied and he's going to be left. It always comes shackled to the vulnerability of relationship and the certainty of pain. And here's the reason why we really struggle with this so much is because we as a society hate pain so much and we love comfort so much that we have inoculated ourselves against pain, and consequently we have inoculated ourselves against community, and consequently we're missing out on the Jesus life. Because we're not letting anyone in anymore. Because we know how much that hurts. We find it really difficult to go all in. All into any relationship, all into a relationship with him, because, because we know how much that's going to potentially hurt us. We can't forgive, and we can't move on. And so they said, well, do you know what? Light and darkness and whew, chaos and plan and community and betrayal, I'm not sure I can go all in. And so they left. Listen, guys, it's a hard thing. But, but if you want to follow Jesus, you don't just get to have the juicy bits. That's a really inappropriate phrase, isn't it? 
You don't just get to have the good stuff. You don't, you don't just get to have the stuff that we all love and that we all like. You don't just get to have the power. You don't just get to have the glory. You don't just get to have the healing. You don't just, you get all that stuff. But you don't just get that stuff. It all comes with the whole thing. And the whole thing is if you want to live this thing, you're going to get to live light. And you're going to get to live grace. And you're going to get to live purpose. And you're going to get to live the plan. And you're going to live an incredibly beautiful community. But you will be betrayed. You will. And you will have to walk through darkness to see light. You will. And you will have to deal with the chaos of this world and at times you will not understand it and you will not see the plan but you know there is a plan because God has said there is a plan and he's working out his plan. God says, do you want to go all in? You offer all in? There's There's a verse, verse 11, I just want to finish with. And in verse 11, Jesus, just speaking to Peter, I absolutely love Peter because Peter's an all-in kind of guy, isn't he? You know, if, if, if Jesus was saying jump, Peter would say, off what building would you like me to jump? He's just that kind of guy. I'm just, I'm in. I don't care what it is, just tell me later on. I'm in. I'm just in. I'm fully in. And Peter's so in that when he sees Jesus being attacked or Jesus being, being, being threatened, he takes a sword out and he's straight in there and he cuts off an ear. I like, I know I shouldn't, I like Peter for that. I mean, come on. It's better than running away. At least you're doing something. And here's the thing that Jesus says to him. Peter, would you put away your sword? Peter, the kingdom of God is from another world. It just doesn't work like this. Peter, if, if, you're, if you're trying to be all in, in your own strength, in your own way, it's never going to work. It's just going to become striving. It's just going to become duty. It's just going to become passion. It'll last for a little while, and then it will destroy you and everyone else around you because it will be a driven kind of all in. What I need is you to surrender to me. Put your sword down because I'm the only one that can live all in. I'm going to empower you to live all in. And if you're trying to do it your way, give it up because it's never going to be your way. It's never going to work the way in which you think it's going to work. See, so many people say, I'm all in, but on my terms. I'm all, I'm all in as long as it's here. As long as you send me to this place or you keep me in this place. As, as, as long as you allow me to live this kind of life. As long as you let me have this car to drive. As long as you get me, let me, if you give me a life partner, then I'm all in. Or whatever it is, I'll just kind of, Jesus doesn't kind of deal in that kind of way. You trust him for your stuff. Go all in. Peter, put your sword away. Put your sword away. Will you trust me? I, I have a feeling that God has been saying to me, and I think he may be saying to us, I'm really after all in discipleship. Because any other kind of discipleship is not really discipleship. All in is what it is because that's who I am and, and, and who I am is the model and the example and I mean you, you can start by part and that's okay because I'm gracious and loving and we'll, we'll move to all in but actually what I'm aiming at and what the goal is is that the whole thing is surrendered light in darkness plan in chaos community with betrayal put your sword down Put your sword down. It's really interesting to me that um, when, when the Apostle Paul starts to talk about 
the Lord, and he tries to remember this Lord who was all in. He, he's asked by the Lord to institute a supper, just in memory of the time when Jesus broke bread with his disciples. And when Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says this, and it's fascinating to me. He says, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he broke bread. Why does he say that? I mean, if I was writing it, I wouldn't say on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he broke bread. I would probably have said on the night that Jesus was about to go to a cross and die for our sins, Jesus broke bread. Or on the night that Jesus was about to be glorified. He, on the night, that, remember when the curtain was torn in two from top to bottom, that was a triumphant occasion. But, but Paul chooses by the Holy Spirit that phrase, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he broke bread. And I think he does it for a whole stack of reasons, and that's an altogether other sermon, which we haven't got time for right now. But, but I think he says it because he wants to remind us on a regular basis that he was all in. My, my body was broken and it cost me. And I think he leaves it as a challenge. He says, you willing to go all in? Are you willing? As you eat bread, know that you will be betrayed. As you build community, know that you will be misunderstood. As you hold out light for this world, would you please do it in the darkest places? Because where the darkness is dark, the light shines real bright. And when you're trying to live on purpose and live with plan in this world, would you do it knowing that there is chaos out there, but God is still on his throne? And he's still working his plan out. And he wants to do so through you. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he broke bread. And he passed it around. And he said, are you in? Are you in? Let's pray together. So Holy Spirit, just pray that you'd come. Once again, would you blow away by the wind of your spirit anything that is fleshy and of the preacher and just not helpful for us. But would you sink deep into our hearts that which is for us to encourage, bless, and challenge us as we seek to walk with Jesus. We want to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Would you teach us what it means to be all in? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's, here's what we're going to do, if you're up for it. Band are going to come, and uh, symbolically, I would, we don't have bread and wine tonight, but we have bread. And uh, that's actually very deliberate. Um, I, I would love it if... If, as God's been speaking tonight, if, if God's been touching your heart and you've been saying, Do you know what, I, I, want, I want to be all in. I struggle with some stuff. There's some people I need to forgive because I've been betrayed and I've been upset and I walked away or there's, or, or there's some darkness I need to start walking in because I've been holding my light in amongst a whole bunch of other lights and it's about time the light shines. 
Or I've just been confused by the chaos and I've begun to doubt whether God has a plan, but I want, I want Lord, you to know that I know you have a plan and I, I know I'm part of that plan and I just want to be all in, all my stuff, all my finances, all my life. Do you know what? God hasn't got a problem with you saving for a conservatory. Really. If you're saving for a conservatory, make sure it's a really good one. Make sure it doesn't leak. You know, spend enough money on it. Save for a conservatory. But know this, God is... God is doing so much more than saving for a conservatory. He really is. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with you taking a trip. Take a good one. Spend the right amount of money on it. Go and have a blast. I, I think God loves that. He, he delights in all that stuff. But know this. God is doing something so much more than helping you save for a trip. He's, he's taking you on an adventure. But it starts with all in. And if, you, if you want to say, Lord, I want to be all in. I don't really know what it looks like, but I want to be all in. Can I invite you to come and take some bread? And say, I, I, I want to be part of the community of the betrayed. I want to be part of the community that walks through darkness. I want to be part of the community that lives the plan of God. I'm all in. I'm putting my sword down. I'm all in. Come and take some bread. Eat some bread and symbolize the fact that you're up for it. If God's still doing some healing in your life, the prayer team will be over to my right. If you would love someone to pray for healing, prayer team over to my right if there are things you didn't understand about what I'm saying but there's something resonating in your heart you want to say I, I, I want to be part of that then find some space with the, with the prayer team over to my right I'm going to get a couple of guys to come and serve bread, we're going to stand together we're going to worship Jesus and we're going to eat bread and we're going to say we are all in we are all in, you can lose the front of the church you can use the sides, you can stand you can kneel, you can lie down it doesn't really matter to me but you're saying to the Lord I'm, I'm all in I'm all in.